Hello and welcome to Legal and Business Affairs. I'm your host, Taylor Darcy. Today we have on our podcast Viviana Oropesa. She is the lead attorney for Attorney in Heels. She and I went to law school together. She does business and estate planning. We are excited to have her on because this is an area that as business owners, many struggle with. So I wanted to have her on and help get an idea of what estate planning would mean for your business. Viviana, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello, I'm Viviana Oropesa, and I have attorney in heels, as Taylor just told you, and I do estate planning and business succession. Specifically, the business succession, I think, is what you're talking about as what estate planning for businesses, what we could do. And we do it for anyone that has a business and wants to protect their legacies. And as far as our estate planning, we also do it for families. So we're here to serve. What got you started? What got me started? Okay. What got me started was letting go of fear, right? That's one of the biggest things when you're going to launch. For me, right after passing the bar, I, I just knew it was what I wanted to do. I wanted to have a little bit of control over my life overall. And I knew I couldn't afford to be sitting in an office for 60 hours a week with no access to my family and my kids. I just knew I needed a little bit more control. So I knew I had a launch on my own. So that's how it got me started. So there was an incubator program in our law school at California Western School of Law, the Access to Law Initiative. We're offering people who had just passed the bar the opportunity to launch. And that's what I took advantage of. So what was one of the things that uh, you struggled with most when you started your own law firm? Uh, I think more than anything was finding my voice as far as how I wanted to um, promote myself. At first, it it was you follow the template that's out there, the very corporate feeling, very conservative type of feel for a law firm. After a while, I realized that I needed a little bit of a twist. I needed something that helped people remember me and help people know what I do and that I was different. After all, you want to be able to help people and if they don't know who you are and they don't remember, you can't help them. I think finding my voice was a little bit of a, I guess, a search. I I know the same feeling because when there's a a myriad of, of other voices out there, it's important that you really find not only your voice, but, you know, a voice that resonates with others. Why did you want to do estate planning? Estate planning felt natural. It was one of those areas of law that I had somewhat of a background in on the finance side. I had been an investment advisor in the past, and I had worked with families and businesses doing estate planning, but on the financial side, helping them fund their trust, helping them set up their investments helping them set up the insurances necessary to protect their legacies. And when I got into law, it just felt really natural, a bit like a glove. And I knew it gave me a little bit of an edge because I would be able to see both sides of the entire transaction for my clients. I'd be able to see the numbers and the financials and the investments and the assets that go behind your legacy. But I would also be able to structure that legally for them and that was very natural for me. 
That's important that you feel good in, in whatever capacity that you start. For me, it was my parents' business. They were carpet cleaners. I resonate with entrepreneurs in general. I resonate strongly with small businesses. Tell me a little bit about your background. So my background's a little bit similar to yours. We're both numbers people and we're lawyers. I do have an MBA in finance. My bachelor's is in political science. I always envisioned going to law school, so that's why I had my bachelor's in political science. When I decided to go into finance, I put that on pause for a while, but eventually got back to it. I was raised both in Mexico and here in the United States, so I speak Spanish and I'm able to do that for my clients. I'm able to help Hispanic families set up their estate planning and help them with their businesses as well. So it's an added advantage of the multifaceted upbringing I had being raised in two countries. Correct me if I'm wrong. Estate planning in general is an issue because we're talking about transitioning wealth from one generation to another. But how does the Hispanic community in relation to the non-Hispanic community with estate planning well, with estate planning, it's a cultural thing. The cultural limitations, I would say, push people back away from trying to get into any estate planning. We're brought up with a very restrictive mindset that we're just going to work and try to see how we can get ahead from one day to the next a lot of the time. And we don't like to talk about death. It's one of those things we avoid talking about. We don't want to think about it. We don't want to deal with it. And a lot of the times when you talk to Hispanic families, they joke and they're like, oh, it doesn't matter. I'll be dead anyways. Who cares what happens? <laughs> There's a cultural barrier there to try to get the Hispanic community into estate planning. And then a lot of it also is they don't have access to the information they need to make educated decisions as far as their assets. So that's one of the things I try to do, educate my community is what is an asset? What is probate? You know, what is estate planning? What's the value of it? It's just it's not just me selling you expensive paperwork. It's me right. selling you almost half of your assets when you pass away. It's really about peace of mind. Yeah. And it's also an emotional thing that people have to think about, which is one of the reasons why a lot of Hispanics they push off talking about it. They don't want to seem vulnerable. They don't want to get to that place where they show their vulnerability when they're trying to set it all up. It's definitely struggled. How have you been doing with COVID-19? How I have been doing with COVID-19? My business has been fine. I, I often talk to people uh, about setting up their estate plans with COVID-19 looming over us. It's a discussion I've had more with more and more people. And it's also one that I have to tell them that, yes, I could do everything remotely, but the notarization of their documents, mostly because I'm really trying to keep them protected as far as like the electronic notarizations, can they and will they be disputed? Create area. I want them to be able to execute their documents properly. Giving people the peace of mind that yes, we'll take care of everything else remote and then just do a very safe execution of their estate plan. There's sure. a discussion I have with people. Is electronic notarization valid in California? It is. And they actually passed an emergency bill where they said that electronic notarizations were valid due to COVID. Okay. But when the dust settles, I don't want it to be an issue, which is why I've been having everything up until execution be remote. And then I bring in a notary and do everything in a large space with enough space between people, lots of masks and hand sanitizer and everything just to keep everybody safe. But it's, it's just one of those hoops that you have that I want to jump through so that I don't have to 
end up in court trying to justify an electronic notarization. What are some tips that you can give listeners regarding estate planning? What's the wisdom that you can share? The wisdom. Hmm. So I would say start somewhere. Uh, A lot of people, when you start estate planning, it is overwhelming because my intake when I do estate planning is 15 pages. So it's a lot of information, but it's also a really good way to get organized, put down on paper, everything you own, where it is, what it is, you know, how it's owned, how it's titled, but start somewhere. So if you have kids, start there. If that's all you can do, just one small step at a time, just take that small step, do a guardianship. And then if you later decide you want to do more, move into having your financial power of attorney and your advanced healthcare directive. And small steps is okay. It doesn't have to be all at once to where you're feeling overwhelmed. You can do this successively in, in small steps so you don't feel overwhelmed. But having some protection is better than none. What about the online forms for estate planning? The online forms for estate planning are great. Only to a certain point. The, it just depends on where you are as far as like how many assets you have, the types of assets that you own, all those things matters. And I hate to be yet the 1 million, 50 billionth lawyer to say it depends, but it does depend. Depends on what you own, how it's titled, what it is. And, and yeah, the forms are great so that you have something, but as far as an effective estate plan, it's always best to discuss it with your attorney and get the best estate plan in place for you. What unique factors play into small business and estate planning? As far as the people involved with your businesses and estate planning? Yeah. So if there was something that was, is there anything unique, first of all, that small business owners face that normal, say, employees don't face in estate planning? Yeah. For one, a lot of small business owners don't protect their businesses. It's they pass away and they are the business. So the business is gone. So in essence, if you didn't protect your business with some form of you know, buy, sell, a transfer of your business for value that sometimes a lot just gets lost. And a lot of the times what business owners do is they neglect to put their businesses in their state plans as well. That's one of the things I face with business owners. It's even for those who have taken care of their personal side, it's what happens to your business if you pass away. And for those who have spouses, if I don't know, let's say I'm a mechanic and I pass away. My spouse doesn't know how to repair cars. Now they're left with a mechanic business that they don't know what to do with. So if you would put the proper estate planning in place, you could do a a transfer of wealth, a very seamless one. So there's a strategy where you could buy life insurance on, on yourself, paid for by the business and have, for example, if you have partners in a business, you have life insurance on each other. One passes away, the life insurance pays out the spouse and then the other partner keeps the whole of the business. That way it's a seamless process. The spouse gets what would have been her half of the community asset which of the business. And also the now single partner doesn't have to worry about dealing with someone who doesn't know the ins and outs of the business that they were operating their now deceased spouse. Good. So there is a mechanism to prevent that. Now, yeah. I haven't mentioned to my listeners yet about what a buy-sell agreement is. 
Can you tell us more about that and what it is in context of not only the business, but also the um, estate planning? So buy-sell agreement is an agreement between partners. It could be shareholders or whatever. It's restrictions on transfer per se that you can agree to. So if you have various people in a partnership in whatever type of business where you can set up where a person will buy the other person out if at the moment that they want to get out of the business. Either it could be upon retirement, it could be upon death, funded by insurance. It, it could be many different ways. It's really just about protecting the business by preventing you know other people to come in and disrupt the business by setting up the formal structure of how it's how the business is going to flow, who it's going to flow to, and knowing exactly how that's going to look like. It can all be set up in an agreement so that it doesn't become an unknown or that portion of the business goes into probate. The person passes away and nothing's taken care of. Yeah. I usually tell people that a, a buy-sell agreement is a, a business prenup. Yeah, it really is. They need to do it when it's in the honeymoon phase because nobody's going to agree to something at the end of it or at, if there's a conflict. You have a, a unique family uh, situation. And I would love to share with my listeners uh, what that is. Would you uh, feel comfortable sharing that? Oh, so unique family situation as far as how crazy we all are. Is that what you mean? Yeah, a little bit, but that's okay. That's what makes people love you. So my, as far, you mean like my kids? Your kids, your husband. Uh, so my husband's a teacher and he's amazing. He is obviously very involved our kids because he has summers off and all the vacations and so he's very involved with the kids and I have a 10 year old daughter and a four-year-old son with autism so we're in COVID now and my son who has autism and ADHD is jumping off the walls 24-7. My husband is now teaching remotely <laughs> So he's trying to teach a class while our kids are running around fighting with each other and screaming their heads off. And I'm trying to run a, a law firm. So much fun. Yeah. And you have a, a unique uh, name for your son. Isn't he Bubba Corn or Bubba Unicorn? Oh yeah. Or... I call him Bubba Corn. Bubba Corn. When I found out, when we suspected that he had autism when he was, I don't know, let's call it one and a half. because. Okay. He started like reading and we were like, oh, he guessed that, right? And by the time he was two, we realized he had taught himself to read and we're like, there's something off about him. And it, But he wasn't talking, like he wouldn't say any sentences or he wouldn't speak to us, but he would go around reading random things from the grocery store. He'd read boxes, he'd read buildings. So we got him assessed and it turns out he has ASD, um, autism spectrum disorder. And he has ADHD as well. So when he was first diagnosed by the first psychologist, I was like on the devastation side. Oh my God, if he has, yeah. he has autism, what are we going to do? It's going to make his life hard. We were completely thrown off. But then by the time we got him assessed by a second psychology, psychologist or psychiatrist, it was, it was a, a little bit of a change of perspective. It was my son has a unique gift. Right. He has a way of absorbing information that no one else does. He taught himself to read before he was two. Wow. So I, I was like, he's, he's fine. He's a unicorn. 
And since we call him yeah. Bubba, he doesn't even know his name is Julian, probably. <laughs> so I started calling him Bubba Corn. So it's hashtag Bubba Corn. What is Bubba Corn doing next? Right. That's awesome. So I'm going to switch to some personal questions that to help our listeners get to know you. So what is something that you like that most people don't? The, the Vienna sausages from the can. They're disgusting, most people say. I could sit and eat cans and cans of those little tiny Vienna sausages. Nice. I don't know why I love them and people think they're gross. But it's like one of those things that you don't tell people about. I like chocolate Twizzlers. That's uh, something that most people don't like, that my wife can't stand them. <laughs> She's like, they're nasty for oh, some reason. I didn't even know they existed, to be mm-hmm. honest. Yep, they have on. cherry and chocolate and uh, strawberry. Yeah, I, I love Twizzlers, and most people love red vines. But yeah, the other thing I love is, have you ever heard of a peanut butter and banana sandwich? Yeah. Elvis uh, used to, that was one of Elvis's, I used to love peanut butter and banana sandwiches. You get them a little bit of Miracle Whip. Those were good stuff. Oh uh, man, that sounds like a lot. It, it's not actually, because it's got a sweet and savory thing going on. And then a, a little bit of tartness at the Miracle Whip. So it's got a lot of flavors. It sounds grosser than it actually is. But so one more question for you on that one. You've accomplished so much. What's left on your bucket list? What, are, what do you want to accomplish with your, the rest of your time? I think I want to grow attorney in heels to attorneys in heels. It's something I have in the back burner that I'm working on as well. I've been using the COVID to start writing my book. So I have a book that will most likely come out next year. Yeah, I'm really excited. I'm sure I'll come up with something next. My mind's always, it's never resting. It's always like, where can I go to next? Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. There's always another mountain to climb, no matter right. where you... You know, not, we're overachievers, right? And that's why you have all those degrees on the wall. I do too. I realized that I never wanted to lose a, a job because I was underqualified for something. But I, I guess I went past the mark on that one and did something that most people would never do. Um, yeah. For me, it was, I was trying to compensate for the fact that no one ever expected anything from us. We, we grew up really impoverished in, in a family where there wasn't much education. I don't think my dad finished, I think he finished elementary school. My mom maybe finished high school. It was one of those things where nothing really was expected. It was survival mode. So trying to break that cycle. Yeah, that, that was me too. My Neither one of my parents graduated from uh, they graduated from high school and, and my father at some college, but for the most part, none of them, they didn't have much education. And I saw that as a pretty big thing, especially when it came to business. My parents didn't know what they didn't know and that they made mistakes along the way. We all do. That isn't a judgment on them. We all make mistakes along the way, but they didn't work on improving. They didn't work on past what they were doing. And so I really wanted to provide businesses with the opportunity to have access to legal services that don't fit into the traditional mold. Sometimes we look at our past and we think about the things we didn't have or the things that went wrong or the tough lessons because of our family didn't have access to resources or information. And that's really where all the magic is for us, for next right. generation. It's we pick up on those things of where what was missing and we use that to, to drive us forward. So it's a blessing to a certain extent, if you want to look at it that way. You pick up on the lessons of your past to push you forward. Yeah, definitely. And you've done an amazing job 
of pushing forward and overcoming, raising your caste is one way of saying it, or changing your stars or improving your circumstance. There's lots of cliches out there, but so many people get stuck in accepting what life gives them and, and not trying to move forward. And you've done an amazing job, and I admire you for that, for not letting your circumstance dictate your outcome. And so that was one of the reasons why you're my first guest on the show, because I wanted to get you on early and really help because there's, I do business planning and business entity formation, all that stuff. But estate planning was something that I, I dipped my toe in the water of and really realized that wasn't where I wanted to go. And because I love the, the other stuff more. And so I wanted you to come on because I know that people work really hard for their wealth. They work hard for their businesses. And uh, the last thing you want to have happen is that it, it end up in probate unnecessarily, or if it ends up hurting the people that you love, what's what's the point of working that hard for all those years if it just ends up hurting more than it helps? Yeah, and with business owners, it's super important because it involves multiple families. If you have multiple partners in a business, if there's somebody passes away, it won't just affect the person, the family of the person who passed away, it'll affect the family of the other people involved in the business because now they're one man short and half of the business is in probate and it disrupts their business, their viability. Yeah, it can turn into a myriad of different problems if the estate planning side isn't handled properly in the business. So one more uh, personal question. Uh, Would you rather appear as a guest on your favorite TV show or have lifetime backstage passes for any concert you attend? Definitely lifetime backstage concerts. It's sad that we have to sit at home due to COVID. Yeah. I I would do the appear on it as a guest only because then I could memorialize in, in film. And I think of the people that we've lost this year, some fairly notable people and I watch their movies or uh, whatnot, and I go back and I go on and to remember them like that. So I think that would be my thing. Which is your favorite show? I have so many favorite shows. I can't really narrow it down. I, there's A lot of them are lawyer shows, and mostly because I, I like telling my wife what is wrong with the show. I like you. I know. I like Suits. I like Good Wife. We're actually currently watching Mom, and that one's rather interesting. The Daughter... Christy is going to law school and so it's funny to watch the media's portrayal of how she got into law school. I watched Ellie McBeal growing up. Oh yeah, I remember that. My initial little spark. That like, was a, a weird show. I could uh, dance around in the courtroom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if only that's how it was. <laughs> Legally Blonde actually, I know funny enough, is one of my f- favorite legal shows, not because it's anywhere close to accurate. But because she did something more than what people expected of her. That's why I love um, that I did Attorney in Heels. I got a little bit of inspiration from Legally Blonde. Sure. Where it was like being a professional attorney and being feminine aren't mutually exclusive. It's interesting because she had plenty of wealth, right? But she wasn't getting the fulfillment from the wealth. She was getting her fulfillment from pursuing her dream and pursuing what she wanted to do. And yes, it was... A lot of of tongue-in-cheek and and not realistic, but it's interesting is that show spurred a lot of women going to law school because they saw a strong female lead 
doing something more than becoming a bikini model. And, yeah, uh, I, I do. I, I love it. Any chance I get, I'll watch it. Yeah, it's a good movie. We're about up for time, uh, but I wanted to just find out how can people uh, get a hold of you if they're interested in estate planning for their business? I can be reached at attorneyandheels.com. I have links there to get on my calendar, or um, I could be reached by phone as well. 619-836-0505. Awesome. Are you on Facebook or Twitter? I am. I'm all over social media. I'm, I'm on all platforms at, at Attorney and Heels. Nice. All right. It's been great catching up with you. I know it's been forever. I still actually have the uh, fish from CleoCon last year that's sitting on my desk right here that you asked me to get. So we'll get that to you sometime. But my, I, you're lucky I, I rescued it from my kids a couple of times. They were, they were like, I want it. It's not mine to give you. Thank you so much for coming on. I, I sincerely appreciate it. We'll, I'm sure that I'll ask you again, but I hope that uh, this has helped my listeners and that they'll be able to call you if they need any estate planning. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thank you.